Come on, somebody. Oh, let's lift our hands and give him glory. Let's give him real praise and real glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, you're an ever-present help in time of need. Your strength, your glory, your power, your spirit. Praise God. You know, with what I feel here right now, it's just people are so programmed when they go to church, they expect it to be ABC, one, two, three. God's here right now. God's here to do something right now. Will you let him, will you give him access? Let's lift our hands one more time and let's praise him. God needs access. He needs permission. Would you permit him to operate in your life? Let's praise him. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, I'm giving you permission. Jesus, I'm giving you access. Glory. 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 Wow. Well, it is great to be in service here today and to feel what we feel and sense what we sense is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. I was listening to, um, well, it was actually somebody was commenting on this virus that is, has the whole world up in arms. And I thought, well, what about the church? I want to tell you something, that if you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you are indestructible until God is done with you. It is not the will of God that we are afraid. It is not the will of God that we are nervous. It is not the will of God that we are hiding. It's time for God to get the glory. Come on, somebody. It's time to come out of the, the hiding place and let God be God. Oh, somebody shout and give him praise. It is great to be here. I have been traveling way too much. And uh, whether you believe it or not, I have been missing you. And uh, that is the truth. There is no place like Cornerstone. And I just, I just felt thrilled to be a part of what God is doing in the world and thrilled to be pastoring such a fabulous, growing, thriving, powerful uh, church uh, in, this, in this hour, in this place. Really is an exciting thing. To all of our visitors, we're delighted that you're here. You might be thinking, man, I don't know what we stumbled into. This is a little different. You know, God is different. God's not going to be like anything you've seen coming out of Hollywood. God is not going to be anything like professional sports. God is not going to be. God is not going to be anything identifiable with this world. The Bible said that he made himself. He came in the image of a man, and that was it. Everything else was different. And... Uh, it's the will of God that you're here. I'm glad that you're here. And at 4 o'clock this afternoon, uh, Brother Chris already mentioned that we, my wife and I, are going to be hosting a sexual redemption class. Now, we taught the men two weeks ago, and this afternoon it's going to be uh, women only. And uh, if your child is between the ages of 16 and 18, let me tell you, your kids, if they're in public school, They've already heard more than you probably know, but I would recommend that you have your daughter here because they're going to hear some things from the Word of God that will benefit them and help them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. It's time that the church talk about these things and not leave it to playgrounds, not leave it to dirty jokes on the job. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Before, before we get 
uh, any further involved in this today, I got a text right before I walked out uh, of my office that Brother Darvin Larson, they're not sure. They think that maybe Brother Darvin has experienced a stroke. Um, he's been going downhill for quite a while, and uh, but we're going to pray. We want to pray that God will touch him and give him strength. God will sustain him. Would you lift your hands with us as we pray for this dear brother? Lift your voice with us. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we pray that you infuse his body with strength and health and strength and sister Larson at this time. God, we just pray you build a hedge of protection around them and allow strength and health and virtue to flow into his body. And we won't fail to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. We ask it in Jesus' name. I said we ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Healing, healing belongs to the church of the living God. Amen. In Jesus' name. I'd like to direct your attention to uh, the word of the Lord here this morning. 1 Samuel chapter number 5. We trust that you brought your Bible. We know that it's become apropos for many churchgoers to not bring their Bible. Uh, but we recommend people bring the Word of God uh, to the house of God. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter number 5. Now listen, next Sunday is going to be off the rails, off the charts. It's Brother Philip Booker is going, we're, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a children's service, but don't let that fool you. The Holy Ghost is going to be here. God is going to move in a mighty way. If you have neighborhood kids that have never been to church, bring them. Bring them. A lot of churches want to overlook the kids because they don't fit a particular demographic I want to tell you, we don't, we don't overlook anybody in this church. We don't overlook the aged. We don't overlook kids. We don't overlook any sector of society. Everybody is welcome at the foot of the cross. So bring your kids in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter number 5. And we are going to begin reading. In verse number 1. And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. This is enemy territory. These are silly cities of the Philistines. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. When they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow or in the morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth. Notice, notice the posture of Dagon. Okay? He was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord, and they took Dagon and set him up in his place again. When they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both of the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any that come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod unto this day. All other gods must fall. All other gods must fall. Let's lift our hands and let's pray for the remainder of this service. God, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we've come into the house. We've come here to praise and exalt your name. We've come to give you glory. We've come to honor you. We've come to entertain your presence. We've come to move with God. We've come to allow the presence of the almighty God do whatever God wants to do. 
we won't fail to give you the praise, the glory, the honor, and exalt your name. Touch every life. Deliver every life. Deliver every soul that's under the sound of my voice. And we will not fail as a people to recognize your holy name and give you the praise and give you the glory and give you the honor. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's put our hands together with a mighty thunder of glory and praise. Oh, come on, let's clear the atmosphere. Some of us haven't even moved since we came in here. Praise God! God bless you. You may be seated. The year was 1935. By the name of Bill Wilson. Bill started out life like anybody trying to enjoy a pre-World War II existence, whatever that means. But Bill had a problem. Bill was a drinker. Bill admittedly was an alcoholic, and in talking to a dear friend of his, they collaborated together to begin holding meetings in their home, or in Bill's home, and reaching out to other people that had a drinking problem. This effort by Bill Wilson and the beginning of his efforts to help people that were problem drinkers is known as the beginning of Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous today in the 21st century is known and credited as being the granddaddy of all 12-step recovery programs. There might be people under the sound of my voice that have been to Alcoholics uh, anonymous meetings because there are 60,000 alcoholic anonymous meetings that meet once a week or even more frequently than that uh, across the fruited plain. There are 60,000 of them. They claim today that there are uh, over 3 million adherents to the Alcohol Anonymous program. Hallelujah. And because of the success of Alcoholics Anonymous and its impact on our culture. It started a revolution, if you please, among the celebration or the celebrate recovery movement in America. And it led, this is just a fraction of the 12-step programs that are in our world today. There are the adult children of Alcoholics Anonymous. There are the cocaine user anonymous. There are the Crystal Meth Anonymous. There are the Codependence Anonymous. There are Debtors Anonymous. Emotions Anonymous. Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous. Gamblers Anonymous. Heroin Users Anonymous. Marijuana Smoker Anonymous. Narcotics Anonymous. Neurotics Anonymous. Nicotine Users Anonymous. Overeaters Anonymous. Racist Anonymous, Sexaholics Anonymous, Sex Addicts Anonymous, Workaholics Anonymous, and this is just a fraction of the 12-step recovery programs that are available in our world. Every one of these 12-step recovery programs use the exact same methodology in their programs. They have to initially, initially, they have to admit their failure and their inability to control themselves. That must take place. In fact, in every one of these 12-step recovery groups, they all have what is called the big book. It is like their Bible. And it has the 12 steps 
in this big book, and the very first one must be that they all admit their failure and their inability to control themselves. Also, they must recognize and accept their need for a higher power to assist them. Thirdly, they must all confess their powerlessness for any present or future change. Well, I am not here uh, this morning to put down the efforts of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm not here to put down anybody that is actually trying to help somebody. But there is a radical difference between a 12-step program and what some of you have walked into here today. Because sprinkled around this congregation and around this audience today are people that are ex-sexaholics and ex-alcoholics and ex-narcotics users and ex-liars and ex-cheats. The difference is that when God sets you free, you are free indeed. The difference is we don't have to stand up week after week and say that my name is Bill or Joe or Sally and say that I've been on the wagon for the last 180 days. And I'm thankful to my higher power that I've not yet fallen off of my wagon. And I'm still on the wagon. And I'm powerless. I recognize I need my higher power. But I'm thankful for being on the wagon. The difference between that and us is that when we stand up and give a testimony, it's not that I've been here for 180 days and I've kept myself from drinking. It's thank God. He took away the power. He took away the desire. He... All other gods must fall. Clap your hands and give God the praise. You're sitting right next to people. The reason why this church runs and this church praises and this church worships God is we know who he is and we know the power and we know what he's done. Clap your hands and lift your voice and magnify God. Outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, there is a huge oversized billboard that has a picture of an F-16. And people on the interstate are driving by this Air Force base, and they're looking up at this billboard. And it has one caption on it, and it simply says this, pardon the noise, it's the sound of freedom. You that are visiting here today, you're not in some whacked out group. You're among people that are free and free indeed. They are free from the opinions of the World Council of Churches. They are free from the negativity of... Somebody go ahead and shout. All other gods must bow. In our story here this morning, it is an incredible story. The nation of Israel is dabbling with disobedience and idolatry. And so just because they shout and bring out the ark, it does not mean that God is with them. shout to have power. You have to be doing right for the ark to bring the glory. And so they came out against the Philistines, their arch enemy. And they were soundly whipped by the Philistines. They were overtaken. Now you have to understand and appreciate exactly what the ark of the covenant represents. It is a mobile throne. There are cherubims that are there. The word of God is there. The rod of Aaron's that budded showing the miraculous approval of God's ministry and anointing is in there. The, the pot or the bowl or the urn of living manna is inside. It is everything that is found 
when you get to the throne of grace. Not only is it a mobile throne with cherubims facing each other, looking down at the mercy seat, but it represents the presence and the power and the glory of an almighty God among his people. It is not an artifact of memorabilia to be placed into uh, some museum or to be viewed, but it is absolutely God's throne that he said, if you will walk before me and walk humbly and meet certain qualifications, that wherever that throne is, my power will be there, my jurisprudence would be there, and my deliverance will be there. Philistines get this ark, and I can just I can just imagine if I allow my imagination that is overactive most of the time begin to wander a little bit. I can look at these guys saying, you know, the covering of this box, it was just a box, but it was a box that was overlaid with gold and had two cherubims on the mercy seat. And they were both facing down to when the blood was applied. They were looking at the mercy seat, and they were watching what God would do from the posture of the mercy seat. But they took this box, and they brought it to their house of worship to where Dagon was. Dagon was the highest deity in the polytheistic belief system of the Philistines. He was half man, and he was half fish. And they brought the Ark of the Covenant in, and they thought, we are going to humble God's people. We are going to humble this little gold box. We are going to humble what these people say about their God. And we're going to put this little gold box right next to our deity. And we'll see who's got the most power. And we'll see who can deliver. And we'll see who the boss is. The next morning, they got out of bed early. They ran into the temple. And Dagon is pushed over so that he is prostrate. He is in that, that, that prostration there is very important because you have to understand that that is the posture of worship. That is the posture of bowing down before God. Their God was knocked down on his hands with his head facing the ark. time that cleaning lady get out of here last night. You know, that cleaning crew can get pretty radical. She must have knocked over Dagon with a, with a mop. She must have shut the lights off before she got that bucket of water out of the place of worship. And so whatever their excuses were and their reason was, they set Dagon, Dagon back up and they said, now that's a little more proper. Now let's come back tomorrow and see what happens. And they couldn't wait to see. They got up early, they came back into the house of worship, and now Dagon was once again in total prostration and total obeisance to the ark of God. Only this time, his hands were cut off and his head was cut off. His head represents his ability to strategize. His hands cut off was, you are never going to manipulate the situation. You are never going to control anybody. God said, I'll show you who the boss is. I'm going to cut the head off and I'm going to cut the hand off and you're going to bow anyway because all other gods must fall. The God of alcoholism has got to fall. The God of internet pornography has got to bow. The God of immorality has got to fall. The God, the God of self-interest and lifting up self has got to fall. All other gods must fall. Clap your hands and give him praise. had the privilege of speaking in our New Beginnings class before church today. And I told the class, I said, in just a few minutes, we are all going to be in a group setting. 
But that room is going to change from carpet and drywall and electricity. And it's going to be transformed right in the presence of people that are looking straight ahead that have come here today. Because it's not just going to be a padded pew you're on. And it's not going to be just carpet that you walked on. And it's not going to be just asphalt that you have driven on. But there is a group of people that have already bowed down to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They have already magnified the creator of the universe and the creator of all things. Somebody clap your hand. We have already magnified. We have already glorified. We have already edified. We have... Come on, somebody. Let's give him the praise. Come on, Cornerstone. You don't understand what you're doing. You're setting up an environment that people, the gods that they walked in with, are going to have to bow. The drugs are going to have to bow. The immorality is going to have to bow. The selfishness is going to have to bow. The lying spirit, all other gods must fall. my wife and I, we're architects. We already knew this stuff. We came here 25 years ago to not handshakes, slapping backs, and thank God you're here. But we realized that in this little 700 square foot arena, that if we will start exalting God, you may have walked in here today and said, man, I've heard a lot about Cornerstone. I don't know what's happening over that place. You might have walked into here today with all kinds of filthy spiritual agencies attached to your life. And that's why you think the way you do. And that's why you're not able to give everything to God like you really ought to do. Because you've bought into what those things are telling you. And if you allow those things from person to person, it may differ to a certain degree of influence that not only influences thoughts, but influences actions. And lastly, will influence your direction and your ultimate eternity. But when you come into a place where we have lifted him up and the angels are in attendance and the word of God is in attendance, those gods that walked in with you are already beginning to look at each other saying, I hope this one don't make it up there. I hope this one don't move. I hope this one just stays with your arms folded. Don't recognize God's there. Don't give God that kind of praise. Don't give that kind of glory. Somebody shout. Somebody exalt him. Somebody give him pray because all other gods must fall lift your voice somebody shout somebody that's been delivered somebody that's been healed somebody that's been brought out shout with a voice of triumph Come on, Alcoholics Anonymous. Come on, Narcotics Anonymous. Come on, Silkaholics. You can be delivered forever. That's right. Building an apostolic church, you don't need a classroom. There's all kinds of people in our world today that are looking for demographic, social, socialistic answers. Not like Bernie Sanders, but according to sociology, patterns, groups, demographics, age groups. We need this. We need that. We need this. We need that. We need to do this to reach this group. We need that. You don't need that. Just like God be God. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Once those gods in your life finally come off you and they finally bow, you're going to say, where have I been? Where have I been? Why didn't you tell me about this? Why didn't you tell me I could wake up without a hangover? Why didn't you tell me that I could wake up and feel the joy? Why didn't you tell me that I could be free indeed? God waited. 430 years until his people had become generationally integrated with the polytheistic overtones of an Egyptian culture. There's a reason why God waits 
God told Abram in Genesis chapter number 15, in the fourth generation, they're going to come out with great substance. God waited until the fourth generation and the iniquity of the Amorites was full. He waited until the nation of Israel could be completely saturated through what they hear, through what they see, by the idolatry of a polytheistic culture called Egypt. He did that for a reason. God brings people out at a particular time to a particular region because God is fixing to get some glory. And so, you know the story. They went through a series of miracles because Pharaoh's heart was hardened. God continuing to build up the drama, making the glory of this deliverance not much greater. You know, if you're telling somebody about the gospel and they're hardening their heart, nah, that's not for me. Nah, that's, just pray for them. Just pray for them. Because Pharaoh would say, take your people and get out of here. And then he'd say, you know, I think I made a mistake. You can't go. God was promoting that. So that the glory that God was going to get was going to be unmistakable. Finally, they applied blood to the doorpost. The death angel moves over Egypt. And they are on their way. They finally get to Sinai. And now there's a few rules that have been put in place. So that the nation of Israel understands that this great power. It has conditions. And God gave the conditions. And in Exodus chapter number 20, verse number 2, God speaking to the nation of Israel, I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shall have no other gods before me. is people have other gods. Oh, man, I just, I just ride professional sports. Man. I don't know more than that. Well, if you're staying home to watch that, instead of coming here to give God glory, I'd say you got an idolatry problem. If you'll stand up in a ball game when your team makes a hit and go, woo, right on. But you sit here with your arms folded with an almighty invisible God that brought people out of darkness and brought people out of drug addiction and brought people out of alcoholism and brought people out of bondage. I'd say you got an idol problem. If you can lie to your wife and lie to leadership because you got a secret life, because you got something going on there that's got more fascination than this, I'd say you have an idol problem. But if you can be honest today, all other gods are going to have to bow. You're going to be set free. You're going to be delo- Clap your hands and give him praise. Your problem is... Your problem is you ain't got God deep enough to get up next to your Dagon. Well, I was in church and nothing happened for me. That's because God's outside the tabernacle. Your problem's on the inside and you're keeping God on the outside. The moment you get real and you realize, I really got to see this for myself. God, come on inside here. God's going to get right next to Dagon and say, you're out of here, buddy. You're going to bow. You're going to fall. I'm going to take your head off. I'm going to take your manipulation off, and you'll be set free. Come on, Cornerstone. You're getting a revelation of what church is all about. It's to confront the idolatry of a world that's gone bananas. tell. And 
I'm not making progress. I've been doing this a while. I'm getting a little bit better about not offending people. If I offend you, I apologize. I'm not trying to do that. But you got to understand, I'm on fire about this. I didn't come here to improve my golf score, build a nice little group of people and say, I've done exactly what I can. No, 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 no. There's about 5,000 people out there God wants in here. We need to fill another building. We need to pack out the next building. There's people all over this city. They're tired of internet pornography. They're tired of immorality. They are tired of drugs. They are tired of Hollywood. They are tired of the White House. They don't know where to turn. Clap your hands and give God the praise. All other gods must fall. Your lying spirit, your alcoholism, your drug addiction, your pornography, your immorality must bow. Oh, that was a good church service. Yeah, I really enjoyed listening to the pastor. He works up a sweat, sweats through his sports jacket, walking around in socks that are going squish, squish. Didn't run, didn't do anything. That was a good service. What you did is you enjoyed the environment that was created by people that did worship. What do you say instead of this being like people sitting in the bleachers and people out on the field? How about if everybody gets involved? How about if everybody gets involved? Come on, surely you can clap your hand. Surely you can tap a foot. Surely you can lift your voice. Surely you can stand. We do it all day at the mall. We do it all day for the boss. We do it all day for money. You may, you, you may be seated. See, we, we, I have some revelations of how this works. Well, God delivered me of nicotine, stealing, and doing a bunch of junk with my hands. He delivered my hands so I could raise them. Now, God didn't deliver your hands so you could make money with them or swing a golf club. I would that men everywhere... Everywhere, in Spokane, in Greece, in South Africa, in Southeast Asia, lift up holy hands. If your hands are clean, they belong in the air. I rebuke those gods that have a hold of your life. I rebuke that uncleanness. I rebuke that shame. I rebuke that condemnation. I rebuke all other gods must fall. This is so generic. This is so basic. Let everything that hath breath. You are not given breath to become a good talker. You are not given breath to be a salesman. You are not given breath so that you could be a conversationalist. You are given breath to glorify this is what Cornerstone stands for. We don't, have a, uh, we don't have a Christian rock group. We don't have slick entertainers. We don't have Christian comedy here. We don't have some Christian act that will only last as long as culture can keep their short attention span. This is here to recognize there's only one God. There's only one Savior. There's only one Alpha. There's only one Omega. There's only one beginning. Shout unto God with a voice. All other gods must fall. Come on, clap your hands, church. Let's give him praise. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. See, some people come in here from erroneous and false Christian training, and they say, this church is real wrapped up with works. Works? 
honey, this ain't work. This is fun. If you think clapping my hands to God is work, all right. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 2 again, Brother Tristan. I am the Lord, thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Verse number 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Not your job, not your husband, not your wife, not your hobbies. Not your lust, not your secret desires, not your fantasies. This a little too plain? Sorry, this is what we came to do in Spokane. You create an environment like this. I'm waiting for God to bring the worst bruiser from the jail in here. I have a meeting this week with a guy in the Spokane County Jail. I got a call from a pastor two weeks ago that says... The most on-fire guy I have ever seen in my life got extradited on warrants to Spokane. He's a biker, you know, not, not mountain bikes with spandex, but a patch on the back of his leather jacket. And he said, I don't even know the man. He called me up out of the blue. He said, I need you to go down and work with him because he has given Bible studies to everybody in his cell, and they want to be baptized. I'm waiting for God to bring the worst person you can think of and watch them get loose before it pushes your button. Somebody shout, thou shall have no other gods. They're going to bow. They're going to fall. They're going to bow down. They're going to worship. This ain't work. This is worship. The reason why God brought you out is not to get an education and a better job. It's to worship. The reason why God brings you out of the world is not so you can get a college education, get a good pay and a job, and live on a house on a hill. It's to worship. He took cigarettes out of my fingers so I'd raise my hands. He took profanity out of my mouth so I would lift his name. He took shackles off my feet so I would dance. He took pornography out of my heart so I could be holy. You think I'm going to sit there and let somebody else out-worship me? Let everything that hath breath All other gods must fall. Verse number four. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above. A baseball star, a superhero, Hulk. Man, I've been out of the world a long time. You guys got to forgive me. The Avengers, Mary Poppins, anybody. Some star, the Kardashians. I said it wrong. I'm sorry. I don't watch reality television. Kardashians. Caitlin. Jenner, anybody, you ain't going to have nobody before me because all other gods, they're going to bow, they're going to fall, they're going to spit out dirt, they're going to spit out busted teeth because there's only one Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. All other gods, if you really get hooked up, they're going to bow. They're just waiting for the host, the carrier, the Trojan horse. 
the host, the carrier, the facilitator, the owner of the body, the person on the inside of that shell to finally agree with God and then all other gods. There's people here today. You're on so many psychotropic drugs, God, with the snap of a finger, could eradicate every devil between your ears. Verse number five. Thou shall not bow. all over this audience that I love dearly. You do, you do bow. You do obey. But you bow and obey to the wrong things for the wrong reasons. I have good news for you. God will set you free so that you can obey and bow for the right reason. All over this place, let's lift our hands and give him prayer. I'm almost done. I'm closer to being done than you want me to be. Is this too real? Sorry. This is where we're at. This is what Spokane needs. Spokane doesn't need some bite-sized John 3.16 message to help you live in your sin and try to coexistence with a, a some bondage, some filthy habit that you're ashamed of and don't know who to talk to about it and don't know where to go. You've come to the right place. God saw you before you came here and he loved you unconditionally. But he said, I'm going to bring you out at this time so that you can get the revelation that I can set free from this and that and this and that because all of the gods and habits and phobias and fears and compulsions must fall. When I first got saved 35 years ago, God did not deliver me of everything in a church service. God did not deliver me of everything in a week, a month, six months. But what happened was, the deeper I allowed God to go, and the more influence that I allowed God to have in my inner man, he was budding right up to things that were generational, that had been there, passed into my life from generations that I didn't know how to get out. And I couldn't talk to a counselor. There ain't a psychotropic drug. There's not a counselor. There's not a psychiatrist. There's nobody in this world that can get down that deep. See, see you ain't using this right. You don't, you don't realize you hold, you hold the ticket to your own deliverance and don't even realize it because you're stumbling over the price tag. But if you'll let God get down beyond the eyes and the surface and you let God get down beyond your Monday through Saturday and you let God get down there into why you do what you do, God's going to start butting right up against that main issue, that main thing that came from abuse and misuse and filthy habits and filthy thoughts and God's going to say, you're cast out of here because I need room to grow and I need room to move and I need room to influence and now all other gods must bow clap your hands and give him praise I'm trying with everything that's in me I've looked right at people that were demon possessed and demon controlled and could not help them because they didn't want to be changed The absolute worst or the one temptation that had the greatest impact. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Before he begins his earthly ministry, 
he is driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Because the devil is the God of this world. Well, man, I ain't looking for the devil. What God wants me to do, but I ain't looking. The devil's right up in your business. You don't even know it. You're blind. You don't have eyes to see. He's the God of this world. The devil told Jesus, turn those stones into bread. Jesus had a greater mission. Quoted the Old Testament, God speaking to the nation of Israel. Should not live by bread, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Satan took him to the temple in Jerusalem said, jump down off the temple. Jesus said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Quoted Psalm 91. The greatest of all the temptations is when Satan took him up into an exceeding high mountains and showed him all the football stadiums, the concert stadiums, all of the pursuits of man, all of his kingdom, and said, next verse, please. All these things will I give you. If you'll fall down and worship me. See, ladies and gentlemen, Adam and Eve were created for worship. The human race was created for worship. You were not created to get a better paying job. That's a byproduct of you being somewhat disciplined. Go to the next verse. This is what Jesus said. Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him in the worst case scenario in the entire Bible. One morning, Jesus gets his disciples. He said, come on, we're going to take a little trip. I'm going to show you guys something. Put them in a boat. We've actually been to this place, the Sea of Galilee. He said, we're going to go to the other side. He said, because I've been watching a guy over there. I've been wanting to deliver him a long time, but... I was waiting until you guys were ready for this, so now we're ready. They came into the other side of the Gadarenes. There was a guy that was there that lived in the tombs. He was uncontrollable, unconsolable. He was possessed with at least eight to 12,000 demons. He cut himself with stones. Now, cutting is an attempt to engender attention and pity. But for many people, it's a precursor to suicide. Because what happens is the spirit that has, the spirit that has a pipeline between their ears keeps telling them nobody's paying attention, nobody cares, and he keeps up in the ante until they take their life. He cut himself with stones. He could not be bound with fetters or chains. He was uncontrollable human being. And he cried in the night. There were people that laid their head down at night when the sun went down. And they heard this man writhing and screaming in the midnight hour. Ah! Jesus heard him. Jesus said, I'm coming your way. I'll never forget 35 years ago. I just wrote about it in an article. I was living in an apartment complex, and I had talked of killing myself and got down on that stained linoleum floor between the toilet and the bathtub with tears streaming down my face. I just said, first time I ever prayed in my life, I said, if there's a God, help me. God said, 
move that person there. Move that person on the wire. Put him right there. Put him right there. Put that person on the direct line and have that person witness to him. See, I wasn't raised given a blue ribbon for being the best saint, given a blue ribbon for coming out of Bible college, given a blue, no. Dude, I'm off the streets. But see, I got pulled off the streets now so I could walk around, strut around with the microphone and scream all day. I was called out of darkness to be a worshiper. Jesus has got all these guys in the boat. You guys are right here fixing to get a revelation. Jesus is off the boat. He's now on terra firma. Go to verse number 6. But when the demoniac saw Jesus afar off, he ran. There is no devil that can keep you from coming to God. But your human will can keep you glued to that seat. Your human will can say, I ain't lifting my hand. I ain't clapping my hand. I ain't lifting my voice. I'm not running these aisles. I'm not shouting for this. I'm not moving for this. I'm not giving for this. I'm not doing anything. The human will of this man said, I've got 12,000 spirits and you ain't keeping me from getting to God. Let's take a moment right now and praise him. Come on, don't be blaming your condition on the devil. Don't be blaming that. No, that's you. No, that's you. You're the one God's going to heal. You're the one God's going to help. You're the one God's going to bless. You're the one God's going to deliver. Don't be blaming that on no devil. The guy possessed with more devils than any human being recorded. And when he saw Jesus, he said, I'm going to do the mile dash as fast as I can get there. Brother Tristan, don't touch a thing. Just leave it where it is. But my darling, beautiful, cherished daughter-in-law, I missed it by a million miles. Jesus didn't deliver him because he ran to him. Go to that last verse that you had there. The last verse you had up there. No. Lift your hands. Give him praise. I wonder if anybody came to worship today. We just come to do our little thing. A demoniac was delivered so that he could worship Jesus. Because all other gods must fall. Just leave your hands in the air. Let's worship God together and give him praise. I didn't come to complain. Didn't come to see who's here and who's not here. I came to worship. There is nobody that wants to worship that will remain bound. There is nobody that God is going to allow to be bound with a compulsion or an impulse or a filthy habit that wants to worship. There's worshipers in the house. For the Father, seek as such to worship Him.
There is nobody that's going to stay bound if you really want to worship God. God's going to say, no, 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 no. That's what I'm here for. That's what this is all about. That's why you were created. That's what the devil's trying to prevent is me getting worship. I'm not trying to be rude, but I don't care who's here. I don't care who's not here. If I feel to do a whirly bird, I'm going to do it. If I feel to jump, I'm going to do it. If I feel like running, I'm going to do it. I was created to worship. All other gods must fall. Please stand. The secret of an environment like this. Oh, man, I don't know if I can hang out with this church. Dudes running around with expensive ties and shit. I came here to worship in there. I'm not on a ball field. I'm not at I'm not at the mall. I'm not going to a bar. I come to look my best for the best. You got it all wrong. You're only looking at what the world does. You're not understanding. I came here to sweat in this outfit. I came here to throw this thing off if I get half a notion and take a lap. I came here this is totally expendable in my time of worship because I remember when I was so possessed I wouldn't even come close to a building like this and now that I'm here and I'm free I'm going to let everybody in this world know all other gods all habits all compulsions all secret life everything is off it's off and I'm free I'm free to lift my hands I'm free to lift my voice I'm free to worship I'm free to praise him I'm free to grow I'm free to become I'm free to be anointed I'm free to pray I'm free to worship all other gods pastor I just can't seem to get delivered get God a little bit deeper he's got to get right close to Dagon God will get right close to that heroin addiction and then you watch that thing come out of you so fast nobody will even see it God get right through to the root of that that happened when you were an abused little girl and somebody abused you and took advantage of you and all these years devils have been hiding in that woundedness with bitterness and reasons for your lack of success and becoming. You get God right next to that root and all God's will fall. Don't be blaming this on no church. Don't be blaming this on no person. Don't be blaming this on a family member. Don't be blaming this on somebody years ago. The healer's in the house. The object of worship is in the house. The object of affection is in the house. Let's worship Him. Let's exalt Him. Come on, Cornerstone, let's create that environment to where there can be an emancipation proclamation, free from denominationalism, free from the rules of religion, so we can experience relationship. Come on, somebody. This altar is open. Come on, Cornerstone, continue to lift your hands and praise God. We're creating an environment right now. Come on, there's some old things hanging around. And the devil's just banking on the fact that he can get you to quit and walk away, throw in the towel before real deliverance takes place. Come on, this altar's open. Church, bring somebody by the hand. Church visitor, you came here for this. God brought you here for this. This altar's open.
on everybody in the building. Come on down. We're not going to make you do anything. But if you really want to be a worshiper, there's nothing that can stop it. I just proved it to you. Nothing in the past, nothing in the present. Come on, church. I came to worship. This isn't a sacrifice. This is worship.